enjoyed putting that rolling together. I, I, I wish I could hike as much as I like putting videos together about hiking. Uh, let me catch you up with where we went last week so you understand where we are today. Um, last week, we reminded you that Jesus said, follow me. That's something he said. In fact, he said that a lot. We find that he said that 22 times in the New Covenant. And the me is not me, me. When he said, follow me, he wasn't talking about me, doing what I want, following myself. And so it was very important for us to understand who is the me that Jesus is talking about when he says, follow me. We also talked about this, that it's not about my timing. In other words, I don't just get to decide I'm, I'm through you know, living the way I've been living, making decisions on my own, doing it the way I've been doing it. So it's on my timetable. Therefore, I get to decide when all of this happens. We talked about how last week, how I, it's not about me. And it's not on my timetable. It's on his timetable. So it's very important that, that we be on that same timetable with him. We talked about that last week. Um, we also said that uh, I don't get to initiate when all of this happens. Um, again, if I did, then it would all be according to me, and it would be according to my timetable. So we said last week that God is the initiator. It's all about him. It's about him from the beginning all the way to the end, and God initiates this relationship. He was prepared for this relationship. He wants this relationship, and it is a misstep for me to think that I'm in control of this whole thing. So let me give you now this week another misstep, and this one is pretty significant. Um, have you ever, but in order to do that, let me give you this example. Have you ever bought something that maybe it turns out you didn't have all the money you needed to buy it? <laughs> um, have you ever made a purchase with a credit card and then regretted it later because then you had to pay for what you purchased on the credit card because maybe you weren't ready now to pay for all of that. Have you ever got a loan and then it turns out um, that that really has strained you financially and put you behind on some other things because you've added that? Have you ever bought a car and then regretted it later? Wow. Um, all of those things, maybe we have had one or two incidents in there. Maybe we can relate to some of that. But do you know that when it comes to a car, for every 2.4 cars that are sold, there's one car already that has been purchased that's sitting in someone's driveway and it's getting ready to be repoed for every 2.4 cars that are sold. In fact, there are 200 and how many? 226 cars repoed every hour because things happen. And it turns out every time a car is repoed, it turns out there's been a problem with making payments. <laughs> and so something went wrong. Something on the bottom line did not add up the way it needed to add up for them to keep that car. Somewhere along the line, they made a misstep. And that's what happens with bankruptcies, foreclosures, repos, all of those things. Something happens, the cost just doesn't add up at some point. 
They thought they could swing it, but something happened, and it turns out they can't swing it. It's just too much money, or it's too much time, or it's too much sacrifice. Something didn't work out. Because when we don't first count the cost, all of the cost, then it has a tendency to lead to some kind of financial disaster. Now, here's why I say all of that. Because most of us, the term financial disaster is something we want to avoid. <laughs> we want to stay far away from. But this is why I'm using that as an example. Because Jesus says, follow me. I want you to know there's more to that than just jumping in line and trotting after Jesus. There's more to it than that. It's a bigger picture than that. So I think that we really need to understand what this means. Follow me. What this invitation is really offering. And full disclosure here, this morning we are going to use some extra brain power, but I have no worries because I have talked to everybody in the room. I've looked around the room, and you guys are really equipped for this task today. It's going to be a good morning as we look at this. So I'm not worried about this at all. This whole thing about following Jesus is a little bit more involved than I think than most of us heard about or talked about or were told about as we were growing up. And truthfully, it's kind of sad because following Jesus at one time changed the world. And I believe that can happen again, though. I sure do. But it's not going to happen if we don't have a proper understanding of what it means when Jesus said, follow me, what it really means to follow. And that's why we decided almost a year ago to do this series, because we felt it was that important. So on this topic, um, we, we all love to talk about this part, um, because this is where most of us did get some of this information, and we got some of this information right. It's in places like this from people like me who have told you and told you a lot about this thing called a free gift of eternal life. And I want you to know this morning that it is absolutely free, 100% free. It is a free gift. Paul uses in the New Covenant words like gift. We even find Jesus using words uh, like gave, um, like giving. And he's talking about that word being used in conjunction with eternal life. And so when you add all of that up, you understand that it is a free gift. When Jesus uses the word give, he's, he's not lying. He's telling us the truth. But here's something that Jesus also said, and you can quote me on this. Jesus also said, count the cost. Count the cost. Now, this leads me to a hmm moment, because I know it kind of sounds like a paradox there. How can something be completely free, and yet at the same time, Jesus says there's a cost associated with it? Now, if you know me or you know Cole, you know we love a good paradox, and that's what we have for us today. 
we've got a really good paradox. And we're going to talk about that a lot. A paradox is this. Even though two things seem to be totally opposite, the truth is you can't have one without the other. That makes it a paradox. Because the truth is, even though they seem opposite, they require each other. Even though they are worlds apart, they have to coexist to make whatever we're talking about happen. So this is why it's important. Because if we just focus on one side that says salvation is 100% free, then we're going to ignore a major something. If we only focus on the free aspect of salvation, then we're going to take a wrong turn spiritually because we've missed something. We've missed the other side of the coin. But there's good news. Because once we've discovered we have made a misstep, then the easiest thing to do is to go back to where that misstep was and to then start again. And that's what we're going to attempt to do this morning. We're just going to simply go back and we're going to start there. So Jesus said, follow me. And there is no question about that, right? But here's what we have a question about. Okay, Harley, since you brought it up, then what is this going to cost me? If that's what Jesus said, follow me. And you've just said that Jesus also said there's a cost of it. What is it going to cost, cost me? You know, because I mean, honestly, I think a lot of times what goes through our mind is something like this. Okay, Jesus, I will follow you. But how cheap can I get this for? <laughs> what? I, I, okay, I, 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 so there's going to be a cost. But what is the absolutely lowest figure you'll take? I know you love to hear that, Bryce. <laughs> What's your bottom dog? What? How cheap can I get this for? What's, what's the lowest amount that I can pay if this is going to cost? And I can still get inside of that God club. And with this, salvation has been taught just focusing on one side of the coin, the side that says it is a free gift. Because the truth is, it is free. That is a true statement. And even though the truth is that we need this free gift really badly, because I don't know if you know it or not, I don't think I'm alone in this, we were born broken. We were born pretty bad. And if you're not sure how bad we were, because, and, and here's the thing, we know we need it, but since it's free, we don't always value it. But if you're not convinced about how much we're broken, listen to what Paul wrote. Now, last week, we were in Ephesians chapter 1. This week, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2. And Paul says, yeah, we're broken, and it's pretty serious. Here's what he says. Once you were dead because, goes on, because of disobedience and your many sins. Now, I, I'm not super smart, but if Paul says we're dead, that sounds pretty serious. And he said we're dead because of our rebellion, verse 2. 
you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of this unseen world. Now, just in case you missed that, I, I want to reiterate something he just said about us. He said we've been obeying the devil. <laughs> that sounds pretty bad. I think Paul has our number. He goes on. He is in the he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Verse 3. All of us. Now, Paul is writing to people who have submitted their lives to the care and the control of Jesus. He says, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature, but our very nature, we, uh, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. So, like I said, we were pretty bad off, and we desperately needed this thing called a gift of salvation. We desperately needed it. He goes on in verse 4. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us, there's that word again, something we didn't earn it. He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead, and it's only by God's grace that you've been saved. Now, none of this is probably new for you you very likely have heard this before. If you've only been to church a few times in your life, there's a good chance that you have heard some of this that I'm saying and that I've read to you. But here's where many times we have lost focus and we have just been looking at one side of this coin and we've abandoned the second side of the coin, which creates this paradox. And so we begin to think, okay, if this free gift, um, if there's any cost at all, then how cheap can I get it? What is the least amount that I can do and still have this free gift? We think, okay, well, God gave us something. If he gave us something, it couldn't have been all that valuable. So maybe it's not going to cost me much. Maybe I can get this pretty cheap. Maybe it's only going to cost me like something like, like a special prayer. Maybe if I just say a special prayer, maybe that's enough to get me this free gift. I mean, that's pretty much free, right? If all I have to do is say a prayer, that's pretty free. And that idea, the idea I've just verbalized, that it's pretty cheap and therefore it's not going to cost me much, that creates a cheap gospel. And that gospel, a cheap gospel, is found nowhere in the new covenant. Even though it's free, we find that it is expensive. Even though it's free. It's expensive. Yes, the gospel is absolutely free. And it's expensive. And I need you to know this morning, that too is the gospel. That too is the gospel. 
and it's a paradox. We have both sides of this coin. And here's why this is really sad. Because a cheap gospel creates unconverted believers. Let me say that again. A cheap gospel creates unconverted believers. In other words, it creates people who call themselves a Christian, but when you look at their life, you can't tell who they're following. They call themselves one thing, but as you look at their life, they're not following Jesus. So a cheap gospel creates unconverted believers. We've created an environment in the church world, especially in the United States. And we have said that there's an environment where if you just use this prayer through some words that maybe I suggest for you, if you just use this prayer then you are asking Jesus into your heart. And we believe that the use of these words in the form of a prayer has somehow created for us a loophole. We've discovered kind of this magic phrase, this kind of uh, get out of hell card free, get out of hell free card. And we feel like we have discovered something really special. We think that somehow we can have all of this, but yet in and around our lives, there doesn't have to be any difference. There doesn't have to be any change because we said the magic prayer. That's a cheap gospel. And that has created in the United States generations of believers who believe that they can trap God into a contract, a binding contract, And we hear phrases like, well, I, I, I prayed that prayer. Well, I, I said the words they told me to say. So now God has to hold up his end of the deal because I said those words. So now God has to hold up his end of the deal. I've got him. No matter what I do, God has to hold up his end of the deal. And I'll be honest, right now, it's very possible that there's some extra tension in this room, because many of us have grown up being taught that. But I want you to know that tension is okay. The tension we're feeling is okay. Because I do want you to remember, it is a free gift. The new covenant is very, very, very clear that there is no work allowed in order 
for you to claim that free gift. You can't earn it. It's free. You can't deserve it because if you could deserve that gift, it wouldn't be free. You deserved it. So you can't earn it. You can't deserve it. No matter how good you are or how great you behave, you can never be good enough to get that gift because we, our, our best, still misses God's standard completely. So yes, it is free, but it's not cheap because Jesus said, count the cost, count the cost. And yet we kind of treat salvation um, uh, like we treat having a right standing with God being adopted into God's family. We talked about that last week. If we just say these words, then we're good. If we just pray this prayer, then we are good. But I I need you to understand this. When we look throughout the new covenant, and you can look everywhere in the new covenant, we just don't find Jesus offering us that bargain. It's a belief that Jesus didn't teach. Jesus never said, walk forward and become a Christian. Jesus never said, pray this prayer and become a Christian. Jesus never said, become a Christian. But he did say, follow me. Let's go back to Paul. We're in verse 6 now. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. That writing of Paul sounds a whole lot like Jesus in John chapter 3. When Jesus tells us to believe. And we've talked about this spring, we talked about what that word believe means. It is not mental agreement. Jesus is saying to Make a choice to believe, to rely on, to trust in, to cling to Jesus. That word believe is meaning that we are entrusting this life to his care and to his control. And what Paul is describing and what Jesus is describing, when we believe, he's describing that as already done. It's taken place. Jesus did all of the work. There is nothing for us to do except to lean our weight onto Jesus. He has done all the work. And so Paul goes on. When you believed, he said, it's all grace when you believe, and you can't take credit for this, it's a gift of God. There is that word again. It's a gift. It's a gift. 
It's a gift that he has initiated. It's a gift that he offers. It's initiated by him. It is from him, and it is all about him. It's his gift to give. Verse 9, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. In other words, he, he's saying, listen, uh, God does not want to share credit with you. He, he doesn't want you to take something he's done and, and be able to say, hey, look how good I am. He doesn't want that. He's not going to share credit. It is all about him. There's nothing good that I can do to produce this. I can't cause it. I can't start it. I can't initiate it. I can't enhance it. I can't pay for it. There's nothing I can do. He gets all the credit. God doesn't want us boasting about something he paid for. He doesn't want us bragging about something that he did. Verse 10, for we are all God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. After Jesus initiates this, us following him, saying, come, follow me. After he initiates that, then all we have is a choice to make. We have a decision to make. Either we are going to choose to rely on, to uh, uh, trust in, to cling to Jesus, to entrust our lives to his care and control, or we are not. That's the choice. Now, what I just said is a mouthful, so let's take a quick look at that. What does it really mean? What is the choice? that we're making? Is there any scripture that can help us understand how do we trust in, rely on, cling to Jesus? How do we entrust our lives to his care and his control? And I've got good news. There's some good scripture to help us understand what that means. Now, at the start of Jesus' three-year ministry on earth, as he began ministering, and he moves his way towards the cross. Here's what we find. Matthew describes this for us in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. From then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. So he tells us to repent. And right after he tells us to repent, that's when we find Jesus then beginning to say, follow me. Follow me. So he says, repent from your way and begin to follow my way, Jesus says. In fact, in the very next paragraph after Jesus says that, um, he goes on to, uh, to Simon Peter and to Andrew, and he tells them, hey, come follow me. He said, come follow me. Now's the time. And at the end of his earth, so that's how he began his ministry, by saying, repent and follow me. And at the end of his ministry on earth, right before he leaves this earth and goes to heaven where he is today, right before that, 
we find Jesus gathering up all of these guys who at one time had said, hey, come follow me, and they did, guys like uh, Peter and Andrew and James and John and Simon and Daniel, Thaddeus, Matthew, Philip, Thomas, all of these guys, and then there were others there too that he had said, come follow me. And he had them all gathered up. It's almost the end of his ministry here on earth, and here's what he says. He says, okay, um, uh, I have asked you all to follow me, and you have. And before I go, he, he, he then says, and I'm paraphrasing, now I want you to go everywhere and tell everyone, hey, follow him. So he said to them, hey, follow me. And now he says, yes, now I want you to go and I want you to say, hey, follow him. That's what I want you to do. He started his ministry with repent and follow me. He ended his ministry by saying, now I want you to go and say, hey, follow him. And once we've said, follow him, now somebody has a choice to make. They have a response. Responding to Jesus. And here is how we respond to Jesus. There's two ways. The first thing is we have to hear. It's hearing. We have to hear that call of Jesus talking to our heart, talking to our spirit, and we have to feel him call our heart saying, follow me. That's the first part. Follow me. And when he says, follow me, here's what's happening. We are recognizing we, there's something inside of our lives that says and helps us understand, I have sinned because I have spent my life choosing my way and rejecting God's way. So that's the hearing part. So we hear. We hear God call our heart, hey, hey, follow me. And in that, he's saying, you know, because you haven't been. You've been following your way. But here's the second part. It is now responding. And we hear this word, responding by faith, which means to believe in, to rely on, to trust in him. Entrusting my life to his care, and let's not leave off this word, his care and his control. So is salvation a free gift from God? Yes, absolutely. It is free. No questions. It is free. But the paradox part of this equation, come on, God, level with me. God, level with me. What, if you say, count the cost, what is it going to cost me? What is the fine print here, God? If you say, count the cost, what is the fine print? Because honestly, it sounds too good to be true. So what is it really going to cost me to follow you? And once again, Jesus answers this question in Luke chapter 14. And I want to paraphrase this for you. Jesus says, okay, here's how you look at this whole thing about following me, about loving me. This is how you look at it. He says, it's, it's kind of like this. In compare, by comparison, you must hate your own life compared to how much you love me. 
And he goes on and he, he says, you must love me so much that by comparison, your love for your father and your mother and your spouse and your children will look like hate compared to how much you love me. And then after he says that, then Jesus looks at them and he says, you better count the cost. You better be sure. So this morning, I want to be absolutely clear. Let's try to answer this question. If Jesus said count the cost, what is my part? Is it just simply offering God a verbal contract, a prayer? Do I say some words by praying a prayer? Is that my part? Do I just use some words to express to God some ideas and some statements, and thereby using those words and those statements, I trap God into a contract where he has to deliver, but I have nothing to deliver? And I simply want to say, no, Jesus never asked for that response. The only response that we find in Scripture, Jesus accepting, the only response that is required by Jesus, the only response that we find accepted by God is belief and repentance. And they are two sides of the same coin. Two sides of the same coin. They always go together. It is the only posture that we find in the new covenant that God accepts belief and repentance. Because here's the truth. Real belief always leads to repentance. Real belief makes it impossible to not repent. Two sides of the same coin. And it is that repentance that leads us on a life journey of change and a life journey of God renewing our minds to make us more and more and more like Jesus. See, at its core, follow me is an invitation to die. Now let's try to wrap this up this morning by looking at those very words of Jesus. Luke chapter 14, verse 25. A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and he said to them, if you want to be my disciple, let me just pause here. It's popular in America to segment Christian from disciple. Jesus does not do that. Jesus doesn't say, come follow me, and later on I'll make you my disciple. No. For Jesus, it is one and the same. 
If you want to be my disciple, he says, the words of Jesus, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. And he drills down on this by saying, hey, your father and your mother, your wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. Now, he didn't say you can be a Christian, just not my disciple. No. He said you cannot be. The only thing he offers Discipleship. You cannot be my disciple. Verse 27. And if you do not carry your own cross, in other words, Jesus is saying to them, if you do not pick up your own personal implement, instrument of death, if you do not pick it up and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. And then Jesus said, but don't begin until you count the cost. Jesus is saying, you want to be my disciple? You must take up your cross and die to yourself. Take up your instrument of death and die to your desires. Die to your own way of life, doing life the way you want to do it, the way you think it should be done. Take up your cross and die to yourself. See, for us, maybe that's not as clear for us because we don't see this a lot. They saw it a lot. They understood when he said, take up your cross, there was, he wasn't talking about jewelry. He wasn't talking about a necklace. He wasn't even talking about a cool tattoo. He was talking about an instrument of death, and they were all aware of what that was. They understood exactly what he was saying. They knew that Jesus was being clear about the cost to you and the cost to me. You must die to live. Dying to yourself. And the fancy church word for that is repentance. Repentance. So there we have both sides of the salvation coin. And both sides are required for salvation. And that's called faith. That's called faith. We hear it, faith and repentance. It's, it's that process of dying to yourself, turning and following Jesus, relying on, trusting in, clinging to Jesus, entrusting your life to his care and his control. See, we can pray a prayer that talks about repentance and we can pray a prayer that talks about relying on and trusting in and clinging to Jesus without ever actually relying on, trusting in, and clinging to Jesus. It's like writing down a plan and then never doing it. It's like saying, here's what I plan to do, but then never doing it. 
It's not the same thing. Now, I want to be very clear. There is absolutely nothing wrong with praying a prayer to express that to God. Do not misunderstand me, please. There's absolutely nothing wrong with praying a prayer that we call a prayer of salvation. Nothing wrong with that. Even though Jesus didn't do that, and even though we don't find that example in the new covenant, I want you to know it's okay to do that. There is nothing wrong with that, of leading somebody through that. I've done it many times. In fact, the day that I submitted my life to Jesus, I used a prayer. There's nothing wrong with that. If you actually are believing in, relying on, trusting in Jesus with repentance. And when we do that, we're saying, Jesus, I'm following you. And here's the little parenthetical. Here's the the fine print I want you to know about. When we say that to Jesus, I'm following you, you know what comes along with that? No matter where you lead me. I'm following you. No matter where you lead me. Because follow me is an invitation to die in order to live. Follow me is an invitation to die in order to live. So this morning, we simply want to challenge each one of you to really consider that statement and the implications of that statement. Follow me is an invitation to die in order to live. That is the invitation of the gospel. That represents both sides of that salvation coin. That is how this truly free, genuinely free gift brings you everything it has with all of its cost. Those type of followers of Jesus changed the world once. And I believe they can again. That type of follower of Jesus, they went back and changed their families once. And I believe they can again. That type of follower of Jesus changed their communities. And I believe it can again. So my question is this. Are you following Jesus? And if the answer is yes, then I simply want to ask you, will you take this journey with us? We told you two weeks ago, we're going to talk about this every week in October. Will you join us in this journey called 42 Days with Jesus? It is not perfect. There's probably even some typos in it. We worked hard to get them out, but I'm sure we missed some. It's not perfect. But if you will journey with us, 
There's 42 days represented in this book, and it's free to you. All you have to do is if you'll go to the online worship guide, there's a place for you near the top, in the top half at least, where you can just fill out a thing. Link will be sent to you to get the book. If that version of the book is too hard for you to read, email me personally, and I will send you a PDF copy of the book that you can read on your iPad, and you can zoom in if you need to or whatever you need to do. But just email me. I'll send it to you. It's all free. We made that just for you. And it is not perfect, but it's 42 days. And I promise you this, if you spend those 42 days with Jesus as we go through the first three chapters of Colossians together, then God is going to be at work in your heart as you are following him every day, as you're following him, as you are having this attitude of repentance, of I want to follow your way, God, not my way, your way, not my way. And this is not a legalistic thing. So we're not saying that you have to start this and you have to do it every single day for 42 days. Now, some of you, that's your personality and that's what you're going to do. And that's great. That's fine. But for some of us, that's just, that's maybe it's just too much. So maybe for some of us, maybe we just do three days a week, but do day one, two, three. And then the next week do day four, five, and six. Just, just keep going. It may take you the rest of the year to do 42 days. And you know what? That's okay. Doesn't matter. That's okay. I was talking to somebody last week and they said, listen, I, I'm going through the book, but I, I'm not doing any of the journaling. And I said to them, that's not the way. No, I didn't. I didn't say that's not the way it's done. I said, I don't, that's great. Just read through it. You don't have to do it the way we've suggested. That's okay. It's not a legalistic thing. Just get into the Word and go through those first three chapters of Colossians with us. One's just a, a paragraph or a sentence at a time as we're doing. 42 days. It's not a legalistic thing. You don't have to do it my way. It's just, just, just do it. and See what God does in your heart. If you're following Jesus, that means something. It means you're actually following Jesus. And we hope just to encourage you that maybe, maybe you'll follow him alongside us this month and get that journey started. And we just want to cheer you on the whole way. Follow me, Jesus said. It's an invitation to die so that we might live. Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this day. Thank you for your words, Jesus. Thank you that we can trust our lives to your care and your control. Thank you that we can shift the weight of our lives from ourselves onto you. God, I just pray. I just pray that this morning we have not muddied and made unclear what you made clear. That you said, follow me. That you said, count the cost before we do. 
And I pray this morning that we will. In the name of Jesus, we ask these things. Amen.